Yes, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, and to worship, Lord, and to hear you sing your praises, Lord, and to, to hear your word. I ask your anointing, Lord, upon this service, Lord, and upon your servant, Lord, as I minister your words. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you'd open the hearts of the people to receive the message. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Lord. We're Pentecostal. Amen. We say, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord. You know, I remember a story years ago <clears throat> in a church service, and it was Pentecostal church. And, you know, they had the music and everything, but it wasn't, it was kind of, you know, kind of mediocre service. Then all of a sudden, a mouse come back from the back or somewhere else, it ran over a woman's leg. And she screamed. And because of that, everybody thought, hey, man, I'm missing something. So they got into the worship and they had a great revival. Yeah. And mice, mice can start revivals. So I'm thankful for that. God can start a revival anywhere. And we can have a revival here, and I pray for that all the time. Amen. I want an old-fashioned camp meeting. Amen. Amen. And you need to pray, God, help me to be part of the camp meeting. Because I, you don't want to miss it. You know, I don't want to be up here like this, and everybody's praising the Lord and everything like that, and I'm going, because I don't know what's going on. Like I said, if you see me running, it's God, because I can't run. <laughs> well, I could, but after about one or one step, I'd be face-planted. <laughs> but anyway, it's glad to have you here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, remember last time we started a, uh, started a series on our enemies, and we went back to Genesis and kind of looked at the first sin and that kind of stuff, and um, we're going to kind of continue with that, because I was, I was doing this because... Remember I told you last week that I cut that message in half? Well, this week I had to cut it in half again, or a third. So I did that, so hopefully I get stuff in there. But uh, like I tell people, if you read, read my notes, it'll probably take you 10 minutes. So the rest of it, it isn't me. So God puts something in my mind, and sometimes it's, it's me, and sometimes it's God. But hopefully it'll come out for somebody who needs the message. Anyway, but the Bible doesn't tell us how long Adam and Eve were in the garden. Because we can't determine age until sin entered the world. You know, the earth was perfect, man was perfect, there was no deterioration of anything, there were no mosquitoes, you know, <laughs> and none of the pestilence that we have to fight today. Uh, so I'm glad for that. And one day we're going to get back to that kind of a world. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that, uh, about that. But, <clears throat> but anyway, we only have three enemies. Satan, the world, and ourselves. Now, I know we like to blame Satan for everything, but Satan really doesn't, we don't usually don't get Satan's attention. We get one of his demons or a little whatever to bother us. Because Satan's too busy trying to destroy the world. So he's up there trying to deal with the leaders. Because if he can influence the leaders, doesn't matter what we do. And that's why when you have a, you know, even in the Old Testament, we see that when they had a, a king that worshiped God and lived by godly, God's rules, they prospered. And then other times you get another king in there and he's a dirtbag and he destroys the word of God in, in a sense. 
and they start worshiping idols and doing things according to what was going on in the world. And that's kind of the same thing we have in America, too. You know, we have leaders, and God raises up leaders, and he tears them down. I know there was a lot of hoopla last week because Trump said he was a chosen one. And, of course, they had to, had to twist that around and, and think, oh, he's saying he's Christ. It had nothing to do with that. I am a chosen one. Aren't you? Everyone that believes in God is chosen. So you can tell everybody, I'm a chosen one. God plucked me out of this world and set my feet on a solid rock. And I'm thankful for that. So, But anyway, it's amazing how um, much they try to take everything that Trump does and twist it to something else. I read something, they posted it on my Facebook, I remember, that Trump is like a, the reporters, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> the reporters are like cats. And Trump's there with one of those laser dot things. And that's what his tweets are, you know. He tweets over here, and the cats run over there, and he tweets something else, the cats run over here. I think he enjoys cause doing that, but I don't know. I think it's kind of funny sometimes that they can just take something just like that and just twist it, trying to find a way to, because they ain't got nothing else to say that's good. But anyway, so we only have three enemies, and everything that happens to you, it can be under, subcategory under those three things. But one, the enemy that we have that bothers us the most is us. If we just get out of our, get out of the way, God can use us more. But we do, and you know, and I do too. So it isn't just you. But anyway, <clears throat> we looked at how Satan deceived Eve. Now remember, Eve did get Satan's all his attention because there wasn't any other people there. <laughs> so they got all of his attention, and. Uh, he did everything to get her to sin. And um, like I said before, you know, don't blame Eve. It hadn't been Eve, it had been one of us if it lasted that long. So, because, you know, it's kind of hard with all that pressure that she faced. And, of course, Adam was the head of the family. And God told Adam what to do with the relationship to the tree. And Adam was supposed to explain it to Eve. And uh, evidently, he didn't do a very good job of it because the Bible says he was there when Eve was being tempted and when she took the fruit. So he could have stopped her, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, <clears throat> so Satan doesn't bother us. Satan bothers the, the, uh, the leadership. He bothers, bothers Trump. He bothers Netanyahu. He bothers the Russian guy and, the, of course, Iran and all their leaderships are all you know, want to destroy us anyway, but, so, anyway, <clears throat> man, excuse me, now, Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't, Adam went in, sinned willingly, and seeing the results of what happened, and uh, remember, I told you last week that I believed that they were covered with a aurora, or some kind of a clothing that God gave them, and we're covered with the righteousness of Christ, aren't we? So we sit there and think, oh, man, that couldn't happen. Well, it happens to us. When we get saved, we put on the righteousness of Christ. And when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. And one day we're going to be changed, and that what's covered is going to be made whole, and we'll have glorified bodies like Jesus had. So I'm excited about that. 
Like I said, I'm excited about not having a, waking up and having a day that doesn't have pain involved in it. And when you get older, maybe you'll find out what we're talking about. Like I said, I hit like 52 or something like that, or 50, something like that, and I woke up and I thought, man, what happened? Because everything I ever hurt when I was young and stupid showed up. And I'm going, man, this good and old stuff isn't for cowards. You know, I figure if I get up, I, get, I can get out of bed, okay, but it's picking myself up off the floor after I've gotten out of bed to start functioning. <laughs> you know, it's hard sometimes to get out of bed. And uh, <clears throat> it's easy when you're older for things to hurt more. <clears throat> so you youngsters, if you don't know what we're talking about, your day may come. But if you wasn't as stupid as I was as a kid doing all this stupid stuff, you know me, I wanted to ride a wild horse that's breaking, so we had uh, this, <coughs> my ex's uncle's ranch, and they were breaking a horse. And I said, hey, you want to ride that? And you know, I'm stupid, I don't know any better. So I get on this horse, and you know, they have it, and I got my foot in the stirrup, and just as I started lifting my leg up off the ground, that horse took off bucking. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm on the back of the horse with my leg behind the saddle, and it's bunk, 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 all across the corral, and it was a five-point, five, what they call rail corral, and I, I was going around there, and all of a sudden, just, the horse decided it's going to jump over that corral. And so here I am, barely hanging on. But I meet, I was on there for eight seconds, so I won. So anyway, he goes over this corral, and before he, when he jumped, I went over the head over there, and I hit the ground. Of course, I was very athletic back then. <laughs> and so I just rolled. And as I rolled, I look at that horse coming out right over the corral after me, and I'm going, oh, I barely got out of there. So I'm paying for that now, and I've got that on tape, on, eight, on those eight millimeter tapes, whatever. So one day I'm gonna get it, put it on there, and maybe I'll show it, because it's, you know, it was funny to those that were watching. It wasn't funny to me. But anyway, I do that kind of stuff because when you're young, you think you're invis invincible, don't we? Now, I don't know how I got off over there, but anyway. So I look at the Bible, and I ask a lot of questions, maybe that people don't ask, because I'm inquisitive, and I like to search things out. And I know that, you know, we read the Bible, and it says he was born, and the next Two chapters, he died. You know, we're going, wow, what happened in between? It doesn't give us the details of that stuff because it takes too long. And remember, the Bible was written in order to uh, give evidence of the sin and the things that happened in the past, and they were looking forward to the cross and Jesus. And the New Testament is looking back at the cross because we're saved. And so God didn't include everything in there but he included enough for us to know what's going on. So I sit there and I like to research stuff and I have a lot of books and commentaries and all kinds of stuff. So I sit there and I, you know, I look and I try to figure out this stuff. <clears throat> you know, I like to ask, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going, how old was Adam when God created him? You know, everybody says, well, he's a, he was a, one day old. Well, what does a one day old human being look like? Little baby, seven pounds, <laughs> and he can't walk in the garden. 
So we, I kind of, you know, we just read past that. But I want, I'm kind of curious. So I sit there and I research, how old would Adam be? So I figured out, when I do research, I usually come up with an answer that satisfies me. And it doesn't contradict the Bible. So I figured that Adam was uh, equal to what a 30-year-old man would have looked like. <clears throat> Only perfect. No pimples, no blockheads, no nothing. <laughs> and the reason I think that is because Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. <clears throat> and they didn't consider, you know, you anything until you're 30 years old. So that's why I like that number. And you get through the Bible and that's consistent. So I figured that Adam probably looked like he was 30. Because he wasn't crying in a cradle and God didn't have to change his diapers. So anyway, I ask stuff like that and I wonder... And I look around and at things like that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Another thing I want to know, you know, is that, uh, <clears throat> man, <clears throat> the aurora, because we're covered, and then uh, ask, well, how do I know that they were covered? So then I start looking in the Bible at things and realize that uh, the priests, if you read the, the things in the Old Testament about the priests and how they were clothed, God was very specific about their clothing. And the clothing that they wore was only worn during the things that they did in the temple. And God says, make sure that when you climb the stairs that you cover your nakedness. He was very specific about that. And God didn't like nakedness and stuff like that. That's why I know that they had to be covered with something. So if you look back and that, and I, I pieced together the pieces, and I got it figured out to a certain degree for, anyway, to... Answer my questions. If it doesn't answer yours, search it out and then tell me what you come up with. And remember, we are priests. Christ says we're priests. So we have to be covered with something because we are all ministers, right? We're all ministers. So we have to be covered in something that we only use for ministry. And that's the righteousness of Christ that we're covered. So I like that. And it kind of kind of fits into my... Uh, ideals about that and I believe it's it doesn't not prove it is what I say so <clears throat> if it doesn't answer your question that's fine but I kind of feel like it to me it answers it answers that question <clears throat> and that's the reason because we're covered with righteousness we can enter the throne room remember the priest could only go into the holy of holies one day a year but we as believers we can go in there all any time we want we say, Jesus, and man, we're into the throne room. So we have to be covered with something in order to go in there. <clears throat> and uh, when they captured people in battle, what did they do? They liked to flaunt them. So they would tie their hands together. Another thing they did is they'd strip them naked, especially the kings, because they wanted to humiliate them. And that was one of the worst things you could do. Is, um, capture them, remove their clothes, and they had to be naked, and they hated it. And God didn't like nakedness. And remember, when Jesus died on the cross, he was humiliated. And that, I don't believe Jesus, Jesus was naked on the cross. Because they wanted to humiliate those people they, they crucified as much as they could. And uh, some people don't believe that, but I think that's another reason besides that he held all the sins of the world on his back, he also 
was naked, and God had a problem with nakedness. So that's just me. If you want to, if that makes sense to you, okay. If not, then that's okay too. Because I'm not saying this is what God says. I just like to expand on things, and I think about things, and I like to find answers. And, of course, I like to give you questions, so you have to do research yourself. Anyway, so, now Adam was the head of the house. And remember, he ate willingly. And that's why God held Adam accountable. He gave him one, one job, don't eat of the tree. And it was his responsibility to make sure Eve didn't. And he, where was he at when Satan was tempting her? You know, he should have went over there and protected her. <laughs> I don't know. So, I, you know, I'm sitting there, but the Bible says he was there. So that's kind of, you know, I wonder why. Why didn't he intervene in some way? I know Randy would have helped me, wouldn't you, honey? Yeah. yeah. He would have helped me. He helps me a lot. Sometimes he calls me down, so I won't, you know, sometimes when life happens, you say, oh, Lord, just give me one, one minute not to be uh, under the rules, and let me just punch him out. <laughs> you ever felt that way? You know, I know I still have those, those, those uh, things going through my mind because life happens, and uh, we need to, of course, we need to respond the way God would respond, but sometimes we mess up. <clears throat> Now, I'm not saying you should go around and uh, punch people. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. <clears throat> but anyway, he was the head of the house, and he, when Eve ate, he saw immediately the results of the sin because he's, her aurora was gone, and there she was, standing naked before him. And I don't know the reasons why he ate. You know, I can just speculate. Because remember, there was only two people on the on earth. Now, Adam loved Eve greatly. He loved her as if she was the only woman in the world. So, and I think maybe another reason is that he liked the um, benefits of being married. And maybe he thought, man, if I don't go with her, there isn't any more women. Where am I going to get a wife? So that's another reason why he would have. So whatever the reason was, anyway, he ate of the fruit, and God held him accountable. And he didn't, Adam didn't know if that was going to be the only woman God created. So I kind of understand that. He didn't want to be alone, especially after he had Eve and he loved her so much. You know, I love my husband so much. You know, I, I just, I don't want to be anywhere without him. You know, he goes to the store and a lot of times I don't go because of all this stuff going on in my body. So he goes to the store, and I don't like it when he's gone. I'd rather be with him. But, you know, life happens. Uh, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now, God gave Adam something to do. You know, sometimes we think Adam and Eve are in the garden, and all they're doing is making love and eating, eating fruit. That's all we think they're doing. But the reality is, they were a married couple on their honeymoon. So, logically, they probably had some kind of relationship. Now, I don't know what it meant to take care of the garden. I haven't the slightest idea. I try to figure it out and find out. But I do know they've done surveys 
And, and people, how many know that people talk to their plants? You talk to your plants? You know, they say people that talk to their plants, the plants are healthier. And I do know they made a study years ago about music and plants. And they found out that when they played Be Beethoven or classical music, the plants were healthier and they grew towards the music. But when they played this hard rock and this metal stuff, the plants died and they tried growing, growing away from the music. And we got kids today that are listening to this stuff and we wonder what's the matter with them. Well, if it kills plants, it ain't going to be good for our kids. So, and I know that <clears throat> sometimes we're too busy letting the kids raise themselves. You want to know why we're in the mess we're in? It's because parents don't care anymore that much. They let the TV raise their kids, they give them a smartphone, and they found out that those smartphones for kids is addictive. Now, Bill Gates wouldn't even let his kids have a smartphone until they were in their teens because he knew it was harmful. And we look out in the world and it's hard to see somebody and they're like this. They're walking and doing this. Or you sit there and you look around in restaurants where the family's sitting and all the phones, phones are out and all the people are doing this. They're not talking to each other. Now, parents, if you don't have small kids or whatever, don't give them a phone. <clears throat> I never had a phone growing up like that. And we survived. We actually had to go outside and play. So we need to do that. Or limit their time and stuff. I know that our kids, you know, they watch Sesame Street, but it wasn't on 24-7 when they were little. So there was only certain times of the day. And that's how they learned their ABCs, was on TV. And we liked it, or learned it in the church, with A, B, C, D, F, G, Jesus died for you and me, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, Jesus died for sinful man, amen. That's the kind of way we taught them in children's church, the alphabet. And then we're getting gospel into them at the same time. Because music is the best way to learn something. If you're having trouble trying to remember something, sing it. Use the music to a song you like. Sharon's phone number is 435-435-435-899-899-0100. You do that with something, you're going to remember it. And actually, that's Randy's cell phone. I couldn't think of another one at the time. <clears throat> so anyway, you can call him. It's okay. You can call me too. It doesn't matter. But if we put music to it, we learn it better. And I told you, I think it was last week or a few weeks, I don't remember it was, about when we hear something, it affects one part of the brain. When we see something, it, it affects the brain. And then when you speak, it connects all the brains, so your whole brain is functioning when you're hearing and seeing and looking at the music or singing stuff. And that's why kids, when they're little, they can, it's easier to learn when you learn music. <coughs> But anyway, I don't know what, what taking care of it was. I don't, I don't imagine the plants died. And I don't know whether the plants were little plants or they're big plants. I assume they were mature plants. But I don't know. <clears throat> In uh, Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase. Now, the King James Version says multiply in number. 
That means get more people. And fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves upon the ground. Now they were commanded to multiply before the fall. Of course, there's some people, like I told you, that, that think you're only, that married couples are only supposed to be intimate when they're trying to have a baby. And that ain't in the Bible. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes they, people come to me for counseling and, you know, there's all kinds of issues that I, you know, hear. And um, when they got that stuck in their head, the men don't like it. <laughs> of course, women don't, some women don't like it anyway. So this was a commandment of God. And they were obedient. So now I have, you know, when I hear the, read this verse, I wonder. Well, I'll explain why, why I wonder later on. I don't want to duplicate it here. <clears throat> so, but anyway, they were commanded to multiply. In Genesis 3, 1 to 7, we see Satan got to Eve, got Eve to look, then she took, then she gave. Sin always spreads. You know, it's like a cancer, and a little leaven affects the whole loaf. I remember in old days, and they maybe they started doing it, they get a start of a little, you know, go through the start off of somebody's bread, just a little piece, and they mix it in with their dough, and then it affects the whole loaf. And then they save a piece, and all that because it affects the whole loaf. And that's the same thing with sin. You know, if we don't deal with sin right away, it's going to affect the whole loaf, or the whole body. <clears throat> it affects our government. It affects our everything it does. Now, sin in a church, a home, or a business spreads and is destructive. You know, we see how destructive it is in the world. And Satan got Eve to question God. And he should tell him, you know, God isn't going to judge you. God isn't going to let you die. He's just afraid that you're going to be more, learn more than he is, and you're going to be like a God. So it's not a big deal. Besides that, oh, it's going to make you forget all your problems. So just do it, and you're going to enjoy it. It's going to feel, make you feel so good. That's the same lie he's still telling. You know, when people try drugs for the first time, they don't intend on getting addicted. Or when they start drinking, they don't intend to get addicted. But the problem is, with some people, they like that feeling of being good and forgetting their problems. Now, there's a good way to forget your problems, and that is to bring them to God. But they don't, Satan doesn't show them all the addicts, you know, in the gutters and in these torn down homes and things, or sleeping on the streets. He doesn't show that. And if he does, the people know that. He says, oh, they were just weak. You're stronger than they are. So you won't get addicted. So don't worry about it. And then, of course, that builds up their ego. And, you know, they're so tempted to, to do it, and it's hard not to do it sometimes. And, now, because, man, you know, there's marijuana everywhere, <clears throat> and it's legal. It's legal, you know, in states, but the federal government still hasn't legalized it. And people say, well, it's not. It's just like ladies, people don't get addicted to it. Really? Maybe some people won't. 
but a lot of people will. And then pretty soon they need more of that to get to the same high they got before. And then pretty soon they need to change something because that isn't working anymore. Now I'm okay with people, you know, they say it helps cancer patients. You know, I have a problem with certain things. You know, I'm not a, whatever, I want people not to suffer and whatever that takes. But I remember when Randy's mom was dying, you know, she's in a lot of pain. And the doctor, you know, said, well, give her some more medication. She says, I can't. Why? Because she may get addicted. I mean, she's dying. She's literally on her deathbed. And he wouldn't give her more pain medication because she may get addicted. You know, that's where we've come from to where we are today. You know, and the problem with all these, this op- they call it an opioid crisis, is that the people actually need them, those are the ones that hurt because of it. Now, I have to take some uh, pain medication because, you know, my body is in pain every single day. And uh, the problem is it affects those kind of people. And I'll take them to get high. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> Trip them on my own foot here. <laughs> I don't like that feeling. And it doesn't affect me like that. It just lessens the pain so I can get on with my life. I don't want to sit in a recliner my whole life. I refuse to. So I get up and I move when I can. Does it hurt? Yes. So the crisis, they have a crisis, and yet they're not willing to deal with it at the place. And that's the border. I can't believe it. You know, it just irritates me that they're so worried about some things, like guns, Guns don't kill anybody. People do. Drunk drivers kill people. Not the car. But they punish like that. Oh, man, that drunk driver killed somebody, so we got to abandon cars. You can't have cars no more. That means stupid. They look at you like you're crazy. And yes, that's the same thing they're doing to people who have guns. Now, I'm not saying all people are great to have guns because there are some that shouldn't have guns. But most of them are law-abiding citizens. You know, like the guy said, I walked by a gun shop the other day and not one of them shot me. But the world we live in today, we need protection. But they want you to call the police when somebody breaks into your house. Well, you call the police, it takes them 15 minutes to get there, you're dead. So, you know, I have a problem with that. I believe in guns. And I believe them to have them for protection in this world, and it's a shame we have to. But unless God intervenes in people's lives, these kind of things are going to happen. <clears throat> so that's just my, my soapbox. If you don't feel that way, that's fine. And you say, well, God doesn't like guns. Oh, yeah? He doesn't? Have you ever read the Old Testament? You know, they fought when you swords. That was the guns of the day. David had a slingshot. That was a weapon of the day. And they weren't meant for show. They were meant to kill. So move that forward. Does God want us to protect ourselves? I think he does. But if you don't, if you think you're supposed to call the police and whatever and hope that they get there in time, that's another thing. They take prayer out of everything and they don't want you to have guns. But once somebody breaks into your house, you're going to call somebody with a gun and pray they get there in time. So, anyway, where was I at? (laughs) So Satan tries to tempt him and makes it look so good. 
Genesis 3, 8. 3, 8, I guess the 13 isn't correct there. <laughs> that evening they heard the Lord walking in the garden, and they hid from among the trees. Now we read here that God walked in the garden in the evening. So that wasn't new. What was new was that they hid. <clears throat> Here's another one of those questions I ask myself. How could God walk in the garden? You know, doesn't make any sense with some of the stuff that I've read. <clears throat> but I believe it was Jesus that walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Because we've got to remember that God is always a trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit. From before time. Like I said, I don't understand all that and how it works or anything, but we're triune beings. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. So we're triune beings. And if I could separate my, my soul from my body... It'd still be me. It'd still be 100% me. And that's what happens when we die. We leave this body behind. And believers, we go to heaven. So God returns or Jesus returns and gives us a glorified body. And he takes the remnants of our old body. And if, if you've been cremated, he'll put it back together again because he knows where every little piece is. So <clears throat> I believe that. <clears throat> Uh, Genesis 32, 24 to 30, I don't have verse to it. We see Jacob wrestling with somebody. And after there, he was wrestling with them, in verse 30, 32, 30, it says, Oh, and he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall be no man. Oh, that's further down. Anyway, that's. I didn't put, I didn't get the other verses on there. So these verses aren't up there. Sorry. I, like I said, I expanded this when I got a question there. I got, what, oh, what does that mean? So then I spent 20 hours researching that. <laughs> so I forgot to put the scriptures in there. Anyway, in uh, Genesis 32, 30, and Jacob called the place Penel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Now what Jesus saw, or Jacob saw, is what we call a theophany. Jesus walking in the garden was a theophany. Yeah. Anyway, and what that means is that Jesus, before he was born in the manger, was walking with people through here. It was him in the garden. Now, I don't understand it. I don't know how it works, but it does. And we know that Jesus now is at the right hand of God. But he's born in the manger. But Jesus still exists. He existed before time. And he existed in the Garden, he existed in the Old Testament, he existed in the New Testament. And there's a lot of these in the Bible. You know, I just put, picked up a few of them just to give you a kind of an example. And <clears throat> Exodus 3, 2, and 6, it says, And the angel of God appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. He couldn't look upon God. Because on verses later, it show if you look at God, you're dead. So it had to be Jesus. Anytime someone looks at, says they've seen God face to face, we have to realize that it had to be Jesus because it was God that'd be dead, couldn't say anything. <clears throat> uh, Joshua 5, 13 and 15, it says, 
And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was a stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am, I am, <laughs> I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto thy servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Joshua is worshiping this man. Now we know that we can't worship angels. We can't. Every time someone had, <clears throat> someone's seen Gabriel or whatever, they fell down and worshiped him. They said, oh, no, no, no. Get up. I'm just a servant just like you. But here we have Joshua worshiping. Well, who's the is the captain of the hosts of the Lord. If you research through the Bible, you're going to find out it was Jesus. Jesus is the captain of the host of the Lord. So it was Jesus or a theophany. <coughs> we see in Daniel, we see three Hebrew children cast into the fiery furnace. And yet they saw four when they looked. Who was the fourth man in the fire? Jesus. Jesus was the fourth man. Another theophany. <clears throat> See, Exodus. Now that 20 to 23. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for thou shalt no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Who's the rock? <laughs> And it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand, and while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face you shall not be seen. And now we have John 1.18. Oh, did I put that one up here? Okay. So if no one has ever seen God, oh, I have to read the verse first. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So if no man has seen God, and yet we have all these incidents in the Old Testament about people seeing God face to face, how does that equate? There's no errors in the Bible. You believe that? You know, so we, gotta, we have to research and find out what's going on here. How could he be God? You can't see him, and yet they're seeing him. Another example is the, the angels that came to Abraham. They was going to destroy the city. And two of them went on, but the one stayed. And the one that stayed, we believe, was Jesus. So it's interesting. There's all kinds of examples in there. If we look at them, I, I, you know, like I said, I could have put more up there, but I didn't. I just wanted to give you an idea. So when I say that it was Jesus that walked over them in the garden, that you won't think I'm preaching heresy. Because I, I, I researched this stuff, and like I said, I spent a lot of hours researching all these theophanies, trying to find a, enough of an example to get you to understand why I think that. <coughs> so, uh, let's see. So, like I said, if, if 
No man could see God and live. How did Adam and Eve survive? The only way is because it was Jesus. Uh, Genesis 3, 9 to 12. Oh, now it's 81, 18. <laughs> but the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was. You know, sometimes God asks questions he knows the answer to. You know, they tell, lawyers tell people in, in court, court trials, don't ask, a, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. And we have to remember that God knew where Adam was, and he knew he was going to sin. That's the thing I, can't, I just can't get a whole handle on. God knew that Adam was going to sin. God knew he was going to have to destroy the world with a flood. And God knows the mess we're in now <clears throat> and the future. And yet he still created man. And I ask, why did God create man? He didn't need him. I guess it's the same reason parents have kids. <laughs> because they want to have something that unites or something. I don't really know. I have no answer. I've researched it, researched it, and I don't know why. If it were me, I was running this place, we'd have a lot less people. <laughs> Gone. You're not chosen. You're not chosen. You're not chosen. <laughs> you know, I'm glad I'm not. But God's God and he has his reasons and, you know, maybe we can ask him when we get to heaven, but I won't care then. And neither will you. So anyway, he knew where he was. And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid and hid from you because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? God asked. Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat? <clears throat> he knew the answer, but he was trying to get Adam to admit it. God does a lot of things to admit, uh, get us to confess our sins. And of course, we know in the New Testament we have to confess our sins in order to be forgiven. So he's, trying, he's asking him these questions. And then the man answered, The woman you put here with me gave me the fruit and I ate it. I mean, it's the woman's fault. See, it's, in, in essence, it was your fault, God, because you may, you had this woman for me, and it was my downfall. So basically, he was actually blaming God, really, huh? Sometimes we blame God, too. God, why did you let this happen? You ever said that? Have you ever prayed that? I have. You know, we get kind of irritated sometimes, the way light turns out, and, and we have to vent. <clears throat> and it's okay. God can take it. I tell people that all the time. If you're having an issue and you need to, you know, get it out of your system, tell God. He can take it. The neighbor can't or the co-worker can't, especially if you're trying to live a Christian life and you're trying to witness to him because that's a bad testimony. So go home. Tell God all about it because he can take it. And then when you get it out, get it all out of your system and say, God, help me, forgive me for my attitude, for all my thoughts and all that stuff. And he'll forgive you. And all of a sudden, it'll be lifted off. The weight will be lifted off of you. And that's the best place to go. Instead of the places we usually go, which is our neighbor, or we go home and we take it out on our husband or our wife or our kids. So <clears throat> we need to do that. Then the, the woman you gave me, it's her fault. The Lord God asked the woman, why did you do this? She replied, the snake tricked me into eating it. It wasn't 
my fault, it was that snake over there. It was his fault. Now this is the first instance of passing the buck. And Eve was the first one that said, the devil made me do it. And literally, that's true, but she's the only one to say that. <laughs> I find it ironic that Judas betrayed Jesus in a garden. And Adam and Eve betrayed God in a garden. You know, I don't know whether it has anything to do with it, but I thought it was just kind of, kind of an interesting fact that... Uh, just to be there, you know. I, I said, I think about all this stuff and I ask questions about it. <clears throat> Before the fall, life was different. Maybe all the animals could talk. We, we have a talking donkey in the Bible, in uh, Numbers 22. I don't remember what verse it is. but So go look it up. We have a talking donkey. So, I, you know, all these animals could have talked. I don't know. It doesn't say. But we know the serpent talked. So it makes me wonder, well, maybe all of them talked. <clears throat> now, uh, let's see. I want to look at the ju judgments right quick. Uh, maybe I'll do that next time. So I asked these questions that the animals could talk. And we have to know that the serpent didn't look like it does now. How many of you would talk to a snake and want, let, let one communicate to you in your, in your backyard? Ah, we'd kill it, wouldn't we? So this, had to, this serpent had to look differently. It had to be more, a beautiful thing. And it's walking. It had legs. So it's kind of interesting when you research, research this stuff. <coughs> See? So the judgments are metered out. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. <clears throat> so this indicates the serpent had to have been different in the garden because you can't curse somebody telling you you're going to crawl if you've already crawled, if that's what you have. So, it doesn't, it seems to me that uh, <clears throat> this uh, serpent had to be beautiful. Now, snakes flick their tongues in and out for two reasons. One for smelling things in the air, and the other for tasting objects on the ground or eating dust. Kind of interesting. And uh, <clears throat> he also, if they look at snakes, they say that they have the rudiments of legs that just don't develop. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity between thee and the woman and put between thy seed and her seed. Between thy seed and her seed. Not Adam and Eve's seed. Her seed. Right, right there is the first verse that we have about a Messiah that's going to come, and it's going to be supernatural. And the, thy seed is just demonic people that belong to the devil or, or serving him. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. And this is the prophecy of the future. Satan will strike his head at the cross. Jesus died on the cross. But 
Jesus will crush Satan's head. That's a spiritual death, basically. And now we know to kill a snake, we have to crush its head. If you don't crush the head or cut it off, and even if the snake's head's cut off, it can still bite you. So you have to crush it. And we've killed a few snakes, and I've shot a few with a, what do you call it, a gun that had that kind of special, like a shotgun and bullet. So I know, and so you have to crush its head. After you shoot it, cut off its head or whatever. <clears throat> now sin's, say, sin always leads to judgment. Sometimes it's immediate, like Adam and Eve. I mean, they didn't die physically right away, but they died spiritually. But he also gave them hope and let them know that in the future, there's going to come a Messiah from you. Well, he didn't call it a Messiah. Nice seed that's going to make all this stuff right. And they were looking forward. That was the first prophecy, looking forward to the Christ and a Messiah coming. <clears throat> now, we know that Satan will always be an angel. He can't be anything else. He can inhabit different things, or he can use them. Now, me personally, I don't really know whether he inhabited the serpent or not, or whether he uh, was in cahoots with him. Remember, Satan got one-third of the angels to follow him, so he's pretty powerful in the way of Gab. So maybe he got this serpent to, to follow him and do his bidding. I don't really know. I never really thought about it until I was doing this, and I realized that, yeah, Satan can't be anything but what he is. And we're going to talk about that later. But this was an utter humiliation for the servant. And every day, he'd be reminded of his sin. And just like this, all mankind are paying the price for Adam's sin, all the snakes are paying the price for the serpent's sin. Now, maybe you never think about this stuff, but I do. And if you have any questions you want me to research, I'd be glad to do it because I like researching stuff and finding out stuff and have it line up with God's word. But if I ever say anything that you don't think is that's biblical, you let me know. I mean, sometimes stuff comes out of my mouth and, and it just comes out. And I've had to apologize for some of the things that came out of my mouth. <laughs> and that's hard. Something says, oh man, last week I said something and I, and I didn't mean it that way, it meant the other way. Usually it's biblical stuff. And I quote this verse wrong or something, so I have to correct it. And I hate it when I correct it. But anyway... Every day, we're reminded of Adam's sin. And I'm not happy about it, but see, I'm looking forward, I'm forward to the day when we are changed. Aren't you? You know? Yeah, all that stuff happened in the past, but Jesus died on a cross for us so we can have a future. And I'm just, I'm glad of that. You know, I like to look at the past and see what happened because if you don't, if you forget the past, you're destined to repeat it. That's why I hate it when all these schools are not, aren't teaching history anymore. They don't teach the Constitution, so they don't know what's in it. And they just randomly do stuff that are so stupid. They tear down statues. Well, they had slaves. Well, everybody had slaves back then. But as soon as they found out it was wrong, they got rid of it. And they'd correct it. We had a civil war over it. And if they don't quit with all this stuff they're doing and their, their words and language trying to incite riots, we're going to have another civil war. 
And the funny thing about that is the, the ones that have the guns win, so just so uh, people know that. <laughs> because there's I don't know how many million guns and there's over a billion bullets, they said, in the hands of citizens. And of course, out of non-citizens. I don't want non-citizens to have guns and I don't want gang leaders to have guns. I want background checks to a certain degree. We had to pass a background check. It's not no big deal. They got my fingerprints, so now I can't touch anything without, if it goes wrong, they know who it is. <laughs> anyway, I'm thankful that God gave us the history because it's history. It's in the past. It's nice to study history. I, mean, I had teachers in school that made history interesting. And I liked history. But they're tearing down our history. And when they tear down our history, things get perverted. And they think about socialism. And socialism never works. And that's because they don't know our history. So anyway, I'm thankful that God came and died on the cross for me. And I'm glad that I can talk to him every day. I'm glad that, that I can read his word and have the opportunity to study it and try to figure out, go back to the original language which I can do, because I have a lot of books that I can do that. And it get, you kind of get insight into it a little bit. So anyway, I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for everyone that is here, and uh, hopefully I didn't confuse you this morning. Uh, like I said, sometimes my mind is running two weeks ahead of my mouth. So, so anyway, sometimes it comes out wrong. But anyway, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Jesus died on the cross, aren't you? Let's pray. <clears throat> Our precious Holy Father, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that, that you gave us this history so we won't repeat it. And I know, Lord, that uh, most of the people here are, are believers, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful, Lord, that we have a church full of believers. But I pray, Lord, that we have other people start coming back. Maybe some of the people who used to come. Lord, we had a lot of people that if everyone came in this church, this place would be packed. It used to call this place home. So, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would anoint this congregation, Lord, and anoint your servants, Lord, on Pastor Cliff and Dolly, Lord, and <clears throat> Susie and everyone that helps around here and does things, Lord. I'm thankful for them, Lord, because they are doing your work, and I thank you for that, Lord. But most importantly, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that, that for everyone that comes and is faithful in their giving, Lord, and and coming to worship with us, Lord, because we're a family, and families like to get together. We like to visit, and we like to talk. So, Lord, help us, Lord, to be a complete a family. Lord, and I know that if anyone's here, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that they'll make that decision for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I know most of us are believers, but I like to ask the question anyway, because I don't want to get to heaven, and God said, why didn't you ask the question? Because I'm accountable for everything that I say up here. And if I say something that's wrong, God will hold me in account. Because I'm basically his messenger while I'm up here, while I'm trying to preach his word. And when you're do doing the same thing, because we're all ministers, but it's okay, see, if we, if we give a misstep or something like that, God forgives us. Anyone here this morning that say, I don't know God, but I want to? Anyone? Praise the Lord. Okay, let's see if I can find a paper and do prayer requests. 